here this morning. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you, you call those that simply say yes. Lord, thank you for Pete, Lord, and Sarah. Thank you that they have said yes to the calling of God on their lives. And Father, we, we send Pete out with excitement, with anticipation of what you're going to do. Lord, I pray that as he goes, he would go with the, with a confidence that you are leading him and guiding him for all the, all the messages that have been prepared, all, all his preparation that he's done leading up to this day. Father, I pray that it would be unlocked, Lord, that uh, the things that he's learned, the things that you've shown him, Lord, would be able to be communicated in such a way that people would uh, be able to encounter you. Lord, that dreams would be unlocked in people's lives, churches would be planted, and, and visions would be, would be realized. So, Lord, uh, pray for the whole team, uh, for, for traveling mercies, for uh, protection. Uh, Lord, for, for just your blessing to go everywhere that they go. In Jesus' name. Anyone who agrees says? Amen. Awesome, Pete. So cool. Uh, Pete's going to keep us posted with um, Facebook posts on the, the, the Elam Facebook page. So if you're not on the Facebook page, make sure you like it and uh, you'll be able to keep up to date with what's happening. Uh, share some of the stories that's happening and uh, some of the strange food he's eating and uh, praying that that belly stays, uh, stays good. So. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, this morning it's, it's Resurrection Sunday. Anyone excited about the fact that it is Resurrection Sunday? What is Resurrection Sunday? If you're new to church, if, if you think Easter is about Easter eggs, I can tell you it's not about Easter eggs. It is about a risen Savior. His name is Jesus. He rose from the dead over 2,000 years ago, and he is alive today, and we celebrate that today on Resurrection Sunday. And this morning, we close off a series called The Battle of the Hill. We've been talking about the battles that Jesus fought, and uh, Jesus ended up in a tomb, but that wasn't the end, was it? That was just a part of the story. There was a next chapter that came, and that was when Jesus was raised to life. Because the tomb is empty, we, we can often dismiss the tomb and, and not really pay much attention to it. But this morning, I want to focus on a few details of the tomb, a few things that were found at and around the tomb that are actually really important for us and our walk with God and us moving from our past into our future. So this morning, we're going to explore a passage from the book of John. And uh, I don't know where you're at in your walk with God right now. I, I don't know where you find yourself, but I really believe that this Easter, God is calling people to take a next step. One of the greatest things that I can encourage you to do is to get a part, be a part of our Alpha course, which is starting in just a couple of weeks' time. We've got the information out at the info area. Find the Alpha page, Alpha, Alpha North Elam North, uh, find that page on Facebook, like the event, get involved, start to invite some friends because it's going to be an amazing moment as we walk and we journey together. Our whole family are going to be a part of it. We've got the whole kids program happening for Alpha as well. So the kids will get Alpha while the parents and adults are getting Alpha as well. So make sure you come and be a part of that journey. Bring a friend. It could be your next step. It could be somebody else's next step as well. But we're going to read from John chapter 20 this morning. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb, saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. Now, I love the fact that this is the book of John. Um, so John's writing about Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved. Can you guess who that disciple might be? It's John. Yeah. And he said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running. I love his butt. But the other disciple outran Peter. (laughs) 
Just a little bit of bragging rights here. It's just humans writing the gospel, but it was inspired by God. The other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb. First, he bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. See, the other disciple wasn't so brave. Then Simon Peter came along behind him. His fitness wasn't as good, but his courage was up there. And he went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. They walked with Jesus, but they they hadn't actually understood yet what was still to take place. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you were looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus says, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. In other words, Jesus was saying, Don't don't grab on to me yet. There's still work to do. I'm not going to stay in this place because there's still work to do. Don't embrace me now because there's an ascension coming. He says, I am ascending to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that she had said these things, that he had said these things to her. Would you pray with me this morning as we look at this amazing passage of what they discovered at the tomb. Heavenly Father, we celebrate today the resurrection of your son, Jesus. We thank you that that same power that raised Jesus to life, we have the promise that that power lives within us today. God, I pray we would understand, we would receive, we would experience that resurrection power in our life for everything that is dead or seems dead. God, I speak that to life in every situation, in every person this morning. May we receive that resurrection life in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm thankful that we have the grave as a symbol for us. We have it as a symbol, and Pete pretty much got in and started preaching my message. It's it's all good. We like it when that happens. It's good. I'll just do it again. You'll hear it a second time. But I love the fact that the grave doesn't hold any power over us anymore, that the grave is empty. It doesn't hold us anymore because we we serve a resurrected Savior who has been raised to life, and that same life is available to us. So this morning, I want to look at three things found around the tomb that, that, that maybe we, we, we kind of can overlook sometimes. The first thing is nobody. Literally, nobody. There was nobody in the tomb. Have you ever uh, kind of turned up to a place and you've, been at the, you've just got the time all wrong? You've kind of missed it, and, and there's nobody there. I, I remember for, for many, many years before uh, the, the Vodafone and, and Spark networks would switch your phone over to, for daylight savings, I would always worry. I was always on the worship team, and I'd just worry that I would turn up, and I'm, I'm an hour early, and nobody's there. Now, probably worse would be that I turn up, and everybody's there, and now I'm late. But the disciples, they turned up at the tomb. 
there was no body. And it's, an, it's a bit of a problem because historically tombs are used to hold bodies, right? That is the function of a tomb. And yet this tomb was empty. There was no body in the tomb. And this is the power of the resurrection life that Jesus has brought us. Because something supernatural took place in the tomb. The place for dead things was empty because death itself had been defeated. And and maybe you feel like you're in a tomb. Maybe you feel like you're dead and buried. Nobody even knows you're there anymore. Maybe you feel like life is over. You feel like you've got nothing left to give. You feel like all your dreams have been just cast to the ground and all you've got is dirty grave clothes. I wonder what it was like for the disciples as they were waiting for the miracle to take place. I wonder, as the Israelites, they were crossing the Red Sea, they were in that place where they were wondering whether they would get out from the Egyptian army. See, they went into the grave wondering whether there was any hope or life. But when we go into the tomb, you've got to realize that we come out a different way. We come out with new hope, with new life. We think we go in one way, but we come out another way. With resurrection life, God changes. He turns our life around from this place of defeat into victory. I love the fact that Paul and Silas, they were sitting in a prison cell, chained up. They were chained up. In the darkest hour, they begin to sing praises to God. You wouldn't do that if you were sitting in the darkest moment of your life, would you? Unless you knew that there was a resurrected God that had power in your life. And I want to encourage you today that even in the darkest moment, we need to find ourselves like Paul and Silas who sat chained in prison and they sung praises to God. They declared the praises of God and what happened was an earthquake. God turned up and shook that place. The chains fell off them. And not only were they set free, but every other prisoner. Bible says they were listening. All the prisoners were listening. The jailer coming in, seeing Paul and Silas freed from their chains, was about to kill himself because he thought all the prisoners were gone. Instead, he found salvation that night and his whole family, and they were baptized because Paul and Silas, in the middle of a dark moment, sang praises to God. Sometimes we're in the grave. That's the very best thing we can do. We can sing praises to God, but there was no body there because Jesus was risen. See, the paradox of God is the the cross is a place of pain and misery where he paid the price of sin and he brought us hope and life. In the grave, it's a place of death, but he defeated death in the grave and again brought us new life. The heart of God is always to bring new life to our situations. I don't know what you're facing. But God can raise those dead things to life. Would you put your life into his hands? Would you even put the dead things, the things that you feel are are not recoverable, would you put those into God's hands and trust him to raise those dead things to life? He's a God of resurrection life. He's a God that believes that our future is more important than our past. I don't know what it is about human nature, but we dwell so much on our past, on our failures, The devil likes to remind us of everything we've done wrong. Come on, anyone hear that voice far too often? Yeah, but you did that. 
Tell you what, when we give our lives to Christ, when we give our sin to Christ, when we ask for forgiveness, we are forgiven. Debt paid. It's canceled. Slate wiped clean. Jesus takes our sins and he casts them into the sea of of forgetfulness, meaning we don't go and dig it back up again. We don't go fishing. We don't try and find that sin again. He says, what sin? I forgave it. Now move into your future. Really believe some people today need to, to, to understand you have been forgiven. You've been forgiven. Jesus has forgiven you. The cross was for that purpose. You can live free again. Another thing they found in the tomb were grave clothes. And I'm going to get Pete to come and give me a hand. They, they arrived and they found no, no grave clothes, but they, they, they no body, but they found some grave clothes. And he's going to do his best to turn me into a mummy or something. He's a body we prepared earlier. See, the problem with grave clothes is they're somewhat restricting. I don't know whether you kind of walk around in grave clothes. <laughs> the other day, Amy says, I love you. I got back from Sunday. She says, I love you, Mike, but um, don't wear that again. She didn't quite call them grave clothes, but thanks, Pete. That's, that's wonderful. See, the problem with grave clothes is, is, is if we come out of the grave, we, we then try and move and we don't really move forward like we should. I don't know if you know the story of Lazarus. Lazarus died. He was one of Jesus' best friends. They, they spent lots of time together. And Lazarus, he was in the tomb. He was dead and buried. And Jesus turns up and he declares life. He says, Lazarus, come out of the tomb. Come forth. And Lazarus came out. But then there was a point where Jesus said, take off his grave clothes. Take off his grave clothes. Didn't say, Lazarus, take off your own. He said, those around him, take off his grave clothes. You know, sometimes we can't face everything on our own. We can't do it on our own. I don't know about you, but the, some of the challenges in my life, I couldn't do them on my own. I needed a friend. I needed somebody who would say, you know what? I, I can see you wearing grave clothes. I can see it stopping you moving forward. I see it stopping you from being who you want to be. Sometimes we need a friend to come and help us get out of our grave clothes. Thanks, Peter. Illustration didn't quite work, but I think you guys get it. (laughs) Sometimes we actually need a friend. Do you know last month, over 350 of you met in small groups, over 45, uh, 45 small groups around our city every month, probably taking some grave clothes off. As, you, as you're talking and as you're sharing, as you're saying, I've got this thing in my life. Hey, let's pray into it. Let's, let's, let's do something with this. Let's move forward. Amy was sharing about how much, how encouraged she was over this last term. She met a bunch of people she's never really even connected with before. An amount to move a small group. And the, the freedom that they found, the, the friendship, the relationship that was built by doing life together. Can I tell you that sometimes these grave clothes that we're wearing, we need a friend. We need to do life with other people. The Bible says if we confess our sins one to another, pray for one another so you will be healed. The healing comes on the prayer of someone who you've confessed your sin to. That's kind of deep right there. So if I've got stuff going on in my life, if I can confess it to a friend, say I'm wrestling, I'm struggling right now in this area, will you pray for me? That person prays for me 
the Bible promises me I get healing. And I think there's some things in our lives that we need to confess to a friend. Go and share with a friend and say, I'm struggling with anxious thoughts. I'm struggling with the disappointment of my past. I'm struggling with an offense I'm holding towards somebody else. Will you pray with me? Will you pray with me? I remember sitting with a group of my elders down in Tauranga and, and something came out of my mouth and it was just, ah, oh, what was that? Out of character for me. But it came out of the depth of my heart and I was embarrassed by how it came out. And I said, guys, I'm not sure how and why that came out, but would you pray for me? They began to pray for me. And in that moment, I'm transported back to, I was 12 years old in a playground and a bunch of my friends rejected me and walked out. Hadn't thought about it for 20 odd years. And in that moment, God revealed something in my life that had to be dealt with. How good is that? They prayed for me. I found healing and I moved forward past that. So glad for people, godly people that would pray into my life. When we see the tomb, when we encounter hope in Jesus, the grave clothes, they don't stay on us anymore. Jesus didn't need them. Jesus didn't need the grave clothes anymore. When he came out, he walked into freedom. What's interesting is that in the tomb, there were two, two lots of these cloths. One is, is the pile that was fallen on the ground, but then there was another that was kind of left in its place, folded as it was. Why does the Bible mention that? Well, I, I believe when we receive the resurrection life of Jesus, some things just fall off. Some, some, some old ways of doing things, they just go. It's like that just doesn't attract me anymore. I've heard of people who come to Christ and an addiction, cigarettes or alcohol or whatever it is, comes off their life just like that. And in fact, the taste, the smell, they just don't even, it, it, it's disgusting to them again. And sometimes those things happen and they fall off immediately. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, this is our promise. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, meaning if you give your life to Christ, he is a new creation or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We get a new life. We get a new resurrection body when we receive Christ. That's the promise of resurrection life. Some of the old ways will just fall off. But other things you have to intentionally take off. Some things you actually have to go through the process of taking things off. Anyone ever had folding, sheet folding issues in their home? I, I grew up with a, with a folding method. It, actually, Pete, Pete and Amy, why don't you come up? Why don't you fold the sheets? We'll, we'll see whether these guys fold sheets. And the, Actually, Pete, this might be the first time Pete's ever folded a sheet, so um, maybe. So you're not allowed to communicate anything. We're just going to work out because some would fold kind of lengthwise over. Some would fold other way. And, and, no. and do you fold again? Or do you go into the middle? Oh, see, see, he goes into the middle, but they go sideways. And you can see where the leadership gift is. Amy's just taken right over here. And then the final question, who takes it to do the final fold? Or do you just Marie Kondo it and just roll the whole thing up and throw it? At... Now, that's not bad. See, see, this is probably my method of folding is, is, you know, it's just like, there you go. It takes about three or four seconds and there you go. There's a folded sheet right there. And some people, 
you're not going to be able to handle the rest of the sermon because that sheet isn't folded right. But there's a method. There's a method and sometimes there's a process when we come to Christ where there's, a, where there's a process of getting rid of the old things, laying some things down. I love this in Ephesians 4. We're told to put off your old self. In other words, go through the process of putting the old off, taking on the new, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. See, when Jesus comes into our life, he doesn't just put off the grave clothes. He doesn't take off the grave clothes. He gives us something else. I love the story of the prodigal son. Jesus tells the story of a young man who wanted his inheritance too early. If he just held on, if he just waited, it would have all been his at the right time. But he says, I want to go explore the world. I want to go and experience all there is to life. Come on, how many people have asked that question? How many people have stepped out too soon? Gets the inheritance. Reluctantly, the father gives it, but he gives it anyway. And off he goes and he squanders it. He's got all the friends. Well, he's got all the money. But when all the money's gone, he's got no friends. He finds himself feeding pigs, which is a bit of an insult for a Jewish boy. And he's eating the food that the pigs are eating, going, I could be better off at home. So he finally goes home. When he gets home, He's expecting a disapproving father. He's expecting a father that will rebuke him. He's already rehearsed his speech. Dad, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, but if I could just come back as one of your slaves, one of your servants, then maybe I could live in your house again. This is the response of the the, the prodigal son coming home. But what does the father do? He runs. He runs. He runs to his son and he hugs him. And one of the first things he does is he says, grab my robe. So we take off grave clothes and then God puts a robe on us. What is a robe? The robe is the identity that we have. I love in the Maori, faith, in, in the Maori culture, the kurawai, the, the cloak that's placed on the shoulders of somebody to say identity, worth, value. And I truly believe that when we come to Christ, all the grave clothes have come off and sometimes they've got to be taken off and we've got to go through a process. But we've got a new robe that's put on. A new robe that says, I belong to God. The Father puts his robe on our shoulders and says, this is my robe of righteousness. The likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Some things fall off our life. Some things have to go through a process, a a renewing, a changing of our mind. And I believe the single greatest transformation is not a change of habits, but a change in the way we think. Because all of the outcomes of our life are, are, are the result of the way we think. Our thoughts can go to a place, a deep, dark place of, of pain, of hurt, of anxiety, of, 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 of even to the point of depression, where, where we find ourselves trapped. And yet if we can train our minds to think, to think right thoughts, to think thoughts that would focus on God and the answers that he would provide, God wants to renew and transform our minds. This Resurrection Sunday, stop wearing the grave clothes. Come on, I think there's some people that are just going to let go of those grave clothes and say, I'm not wearing those anymore. 
I know I've been wearing them and they've got pretty tatty and, and the, to be honest, they've been restricting me. God's saying, would you just let them go? Maybe you actually need to ask a friend to help take some off. Get a friend to pray with you. Come on. The thing you've been holding on to for 20, 30, 40 years, God's saying, you can be free from this if you would just confess it to somebody. A pain from the past. It might be a scar, but that, pain, that scar doesn't have to hurt. We can still see a scar and remember what happened, but I believe that we can have that scar with no pain. That Jesus will actually remove the pain and he'll bring a new lease of life to us. Come on, time to take some grave clothes off and receive the cloak of righteousness from God. As the team come this morning, a third thing they find at the tomb, and this is it. This is all that matters. They find Jesus. No dead body, but they find Jesus. Jesus is found. How many, how many people kind of lose things at times? Yeah? Keys, children. <laughs> I haven't lost a child yet. Got close. But my children, they say, Dad, I can't find my... Then you fill in the blanks. My boy the other day, he collects football cards. He says, Dad, I can't find my special silver shiny football cards. So I asked, have you looked properly? Yes, I've looked properly. Have you looked in your room? Yes, I've looked in my room. So I walk into his room. And you, and you know what happens. You walk straight in exactly where you think they might be. And, oh, you mean these cards that you were looking for? He's like, how did you find them? Because in the process of losing them, he gets upset. He gets frustrated. Might even start to cry. Might even, oh, I can't find it. Mary's at the tomb. She's tired. She's upset. She's disappointed. All hope is gone. And Jesus is there. And she thinks he's the gardener. Jesus is right there and she doesn't even see him because she's so zoned in on what was going on in her world. My friends today, life is painful. Life brings disappointments. People fail us. That is 100% guarantee. That is the life we live. That is the world we live in. We will be disappointed by the end of today. We will disappoint someone by the end of the day. We will find ourselves in a place where it is just too difficult, too hard. So our eyes get down. and we, Jesus is right here. We don't even know he's there. My friend, Jesus is risen. He is risen. Today we celebrate our risen Savior, Jesus. Died on the cross for you, for me, so that we can have life. Life in all its fullness. That is the hope of the resurrection this morning. There is no body in the tomb. It's empty. Grave clothes. We've got we to say, God, I, I, I'm tired of wearing these. Allow them to fall off your life or go get some help. You might need counseling. You might need ministry. You might need a friend to come and stand alongside you. Because I am watching some people. As the grave clothes of their past are being taken one at a time. I'm seeing some miracles taking place week in, week out. As lives are being transformed as they're handing it over to Jesus. And life is coming again. And hope is coming again. And, and you know what? We might not feel like we're there yet. It's okay. 
Because tomorrow we'll get another chance to pray with someone. We'll get another chance. But today we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. We celebrate that Jesus has risen. He has risen indeed. My friend, I don't know where you stand with God right now. I don't know whether you think that the life you've lived is beyond help. I can tell you what, the Bible is filled with people who just missed the mark on all aspects. King David named after, people named him King David, Jesus, the son of David. David, this amazing man of God, failed so miserably. He intentionally chose to sin and disobey God, hurting, killing people as a result of his sin. And yet in that moment of realization of what he'd done, he cried out to God, create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. He says, take away the joy of my salvation. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. In other words, I, I know I've given my life to Christ, but I don't sense and I don't experience. I'm not experiencing the joy. You can have the joy of salvation today. You can know that you are forgiven that your past will not be held against you, that Jesus went to the cross once and for all for your sin, for my sin. Your life was worth it. Your life counts. Your life matters so much that Jesus would give his life for you. This morning, I want to pray a prayer. I want to invite you to pray this prayer. We're all going to pray it together. If right now today you wouldn't be able to say, God, I, I know I'm right with you through what you did in the cross for me. I really believe that there's people here today that need to pray a prayer of surrender. Say, God, I give up trying to live life my own way. I'm going to put my trust and my hope into your hands. i got grave clothes around me. Would you, would you take those off today, God? Would you help me to take the rest off that maybe don't happen today, but maybe in the next few days and weeks and months, you'd have the power of God, the resurrected power of God in our lives to see that change. If you're prepared to pray that prayer with me, join hundreds of people that have already prayed this prayer before. I've found freedom. Today is your day of freedom, my friend. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great love for me. Thank you, you created me in your image to live a life of purpose. Thank you that you gave Jesus to die on the cross for me, to pay the price for my sin. Today, I turn from my old way of living. I repent and ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. I turn to you today. I choose to follow you. Make me clean. Make me new. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, maybe you're coming back to God. You've been away from him, but today God's just drawing you back in and you've realized that you needed the hope of Jesus in your life again. Every head bowed and eye closed. We don't want to embarrass you, but what we do want to do is connect with you and help you. You don't have to do this life alone. No one of us, none of us are called to. But we just want to know who you are and we've got a team that are just going to spot you as you pop your hand up right now. Say, yeah, I prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe coming back to God again. Is there anyone this morning praying that prayer for the very first time? 
Thank you. Up the back. That's amazing. Praise God. Thank you. Up the back. Amazing. Yes. Is there anyone else this morning saying yes to Jesus? Pray that prayer. I just want to wait just one more moment. Don't normally, but I just sense that there's somebody else. Somebody else. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Come on, let's celebrate church. Come on, people coming back to God, people responding to Jesus. This is awesome. This is the good news. This is the resurrection life. Let me pray a prayer. Father, we thank you for every person that has responded this morning. We thank you that, Lord, you bring dead things to life. We thank you that we don't have to walk with the grave clothes around us anymore, but we can walk in freedom into a future and a hope that you've prepared for us. We thank you for this day, Resurrection Sunday. Thank you, Jesus. You are alive. We declare that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, Peter. Wow, what a great message this morning. I love that thought that sometimes, no matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, whether it's just a couple of days or whether it's 20 or 30 years, we can still have grave clothes that need to come off. You might be thinking to yourself, well, Peter, Mike, that, that's, it's not that easy. I agree that it's not easy, but it is that simple. It is, it is that simple to get people around you that uh, can help you unravel some of the things in your life that have tangled you. As we... Um, as we, uh, before we get to the offering, we've got a couple of uh, uh, notices this morning. Firstly, uh, why don't you grab a Connect card that should be on your seat or around your seat, hold it up in the air, wave it around. You all got a Connect card? Should be one near you. Fantastic. This is your opportunity. We really do believe that God speaks to people. That might seem like a strange idea to you, but we really do believe that God is speaking to you about your next step. So why don't you just get bold, get out a pen, And uh, write that next step down on your connect card.